0: Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the word of God.
1: We're going to answer some questions. You guys uh, did pose some questions, some of you, and so appreciate all those that did give questions. They were great questions, so we're going to try to hit some of those. But before that, we kind of wanted to talk about um, just teens and dating and so like the five and a half years before and I hadn't seen we haven't seen that video in like 10 years until yeah, right now was, so anyway very actually, nostalgic
0: we had we had another one that had like me actually like when you propose like at church I didn't with know we everybody had that. So someone I videoed I could, it yeah I couldn't find oh. it.
1: it yeah was, well she would have so she sweet. was weeping was, and crying and yeah probably because she I just was said... finally
0: like, finally!
1: Yeah, and she knew, she said yes, but at the same time, she's like, I, this is, could be a challenge, and so <laughs> probably multiple reasons for tears, but uh, so, so anyways, so we want to, we want to just share something here for a couple of minutes about, just about teens and dating and all of that whole thing, what that looks like, and so let me say this, that it's a lot of you aren't going to agree with our thoughts about this, and that's fine. You know, I would agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. So no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we've got we've got uh, uh, opinions about this. So this is wardology. This is a little bit of wardology because we we agree on this. Um, but it comes from a lot of years of doing things the wrong way. And so we feel and like... And then
0: seeing people who we felt like did it the right way. Yes. And like saying, oh, my gosh, I should have... I wish I would have done that that yes. way. Yes. But now I have opportunity to be able to teach and lead my children into that. So...
1: Yeah. So we um, we have people... And didn't you like all the pictures of us when we were we were little? And I was such a cute kid. And so...
0: You're still cute. Yeah,
1: thank you. So... But anyways, but it's funny, looking at the pictures, it's like, oh my gosh, that's one of my kids, I mean, crazy, anyways, so, but I'll have people say things like, you know, to our boys, like, well, they're going to be lady killers, and the women are going to be after them, things like that, and so then I'll just, and people don't, you know, they don't think like we do a lot, and even a lot of Christians don't, and so I'll stop and say, well, actually, they're one lady killer, Because we believe with everything in us, they're not really
0: going to kill her. No,
1: but it's just it's a figure of speech, right? Um, But we believe that God has one person, and it's interesting because Sarah and I were talking about this probably a year ago or something. And there, even at CBC, there's one of the teachers that does not believe this, and so he's wrong. I don't know what to say, but um, we absolutely believe that God has one person that he has designed for you to marry. Now, now I know that people get married, uh, their spouses could die, they get divorced or whatever, and things happen. And look, God takes the good, the bad, the things in the middle, and he works them out for our good. I, yes. I understand that. But the way we really believe, the way that you're supposed to raise your kids up, isn't just find somebody you love and marry them, but it's like, God, who do you have for me? And we are right now praying over their spouses, whoever they're going to be in the future. And we believe that their parents are praying over our kids. And so the idea is that you find out who the Lord has for you simply by seeking him. So the whole idea about dating, so when we started like dating, I, that was really probably my more, more my mentality. But I wasn't really you know hard and fast about it, and so I didn't. Or I just
0: wore you down. Yeah, <laughs> she she kind of wore me down. So,
1: but even our first Katie drove us on our our first date. Wherever Katie is right there, uh, my sister she drove us on our first date, and um, it, we went and saw the Little Mermaid the second time that the Little Mermaid came out. And I remember pulling into and a parking so spot. So
0: sweet, we saw the Little Mermaid. I know
1: it's, it was awesome. And. Um, <laughs> So I re- even remember pulling into a parking spot. Katie was driving because we couldn't, we couldn't we drive. Were, yeah. But I was, I was like, we are absolutely not ever going to go on a date by ourselves. We will always be around other people. If that didn't last long, we'll explain that in a minute. But when we, the first date we went on and Katie was driving, there was, we, were trying, we were running late for the movie. And we could not find a parking space. And we found one at the other end. I'm like, there's one. And she said, it's too tight. I'm like, no, you can make it. You can make it. And she she's, th- she's turning somebody. in. And it is like, <laughs> And so there was red paint left on the car next to us. And so
0: we're like, we have to go. And I was like, Katie, I told
1: you you couldn't make it. What are you doing? <laughs> so, anyway, so that was our that was our first our first date. So it but, ended
0: up too. Your dad was like at the mall, and he was like, yeah. Because we
1: went to the mall before. Yeah, and he was and we, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, movie. he thought we thought he was spying on us when he wasn't spying on us. <laughs> and so, anyways, um, so. We, what happened after that was like I was pretty steadfast, like we're, we're not going to be alone and we're only going to go on dates. Well, that, it didn't take long for that to change. So this is my philosophy about, about dating and how the Lord has made uh, people. First of all, you don't fall in love. You, you meet the one that God has for you and you learn to love them properly. Yes. Because a lot of the reason we have problems in marriages today is because after a year, two years, three years, five years, you lose the honeymoon stage. How many of y'all can relate to that after you got married Come on, now be honest. Are we
0: the only ones? We're the only, we're the
1: only honest <laughs> ones, apparently. I don't know. But you, you lose some of that. But when it's not based on emotion, but based on God's brought me to this person. And see, the thing is, is that even after you get married, they become the right person. How many of yes. y'all know what I'm talking about? You don't go back and go, well, I could. You don't do that. You, they, they become the right person. And so you learn how to love them. But very naturally speaking, when men and women come together what women are after is different than what men are after they want connection they want communication and i don't have to tell you what guys are after and it's very it's very simple (laughs) and especially when you're between the ages of 15 (laughs) and maybe you know we'll say 25 things tend to start to calm down a little bit uh you know inside the, the the body of a man but especially during that time, God made it. You have to understand something. God made it that when two people come together, that that desire is on a man to pursue a woman in that respect. So this is why we've come to the point to where like when it comes to dating, we love courting, um, groups of people, things, things like that to where it stays healthy. Because as soon as those two start to go off by themselves, I'm not saying it can't be healthy, but I'm saying it's almost impossible for it to stay healthy. And, you know, the apostle Paul said, he said, if, if you burn, get married. Well, I can tell you now we burned for seven years. I really burned for, for seven years. It was awful. And if I had had someone say, look, you either need to get married or you need to pull yourselves apart a little bit and stay in a, stay in a healthy group setting. And then when the time's right, you can get married because we basically lived. I wasn't a hypocrite. Um, because a hypocrite is somebody that, that, that says one thing or does one thing but has no desire to do the right thing. And for me, I desired to do the right thing, but my physical desires outweighed my spiritual ability to do the right thing. And so we, we really struggled with that for a lot of years, and I don't think we've really ever told that that publicly and so we'll just kind of leave it at that but it was but it was a struggle and so we really believe the proper way that you're supposed to go about dating is it being like a, a courting thing and so because right, we and you need and, go ahead
0: and for girls too like we get emotionally invested very quickly and easily and so we're emotionally invested and so we tend to say yes to whatever because we we need and we want to keep that connection going yeah. And so, you know, you can get your heart hurt a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I I tormented your
0: heart, and so anyways, we
1: we're not gonna go into all the details because it was really uh, it was gruesome. So um, it was a good five and a half years, like I said, on the videos are great or whatever, but it really wasn't. Truth be told, it was it was really rough, and so a lot of manipulation on my part, and back and forth, and breaking up, and all of that stuff. But if we had just sought the Lord, and if we both had done that, then we could have come to this place to where we entered into that covenant relationship totally pure in every sense of the word, and it had been done right. But we. We don't live in regret or in past or whatever. And so some of you might be going, man, I didn't do any of that and I didn't raise my kids like that or whatever. Look, there's no condemnation. It's no problem. But for people that are raising their kids up, you could see how this could be really beneficial to see things in this in this light. And for for people that say, well I you know I, I think that dating is fine and you gotta date. That's your business and that's also your problem. Because if you're if you're a if you're a well I don't want to say that. That's too that's too straightforward. But You know, here's the thing. When it comes to raising boys and girls, this is my philosophy. You teach the girls to cover their body, and you teach the boys to cover their eyes. And when your kids go out on a date, if you're the dad or the mom of the girl, you had better be well aware that what's on that boy's mind. Don't forget what it was like when you were 16, 17, 18 years old. Come on now. We live in a real world, and it's really good to do our best to try to preserve our kids all the way until the wedding date. We have a responsibility to do that the very best that we can. Is this hitting too close to home? Maybe we need to get into the questions. Because, see, I know a lot of people, they don't agree with this, but I'm telling you, I believe that this is the right way to look at doing this.
0: And, and I mean, we've seen fruit of people who have, Done, done this.
1: Ron and Wendy have tremendous fruit in this area. We right. basically have the same, the same when, philosophy. Well,
0: when we were like in school, you were in school, we saw people who like the Lord just through a group. Not high
1: school, Bible school. Bible school. Yeah,
0: yeah like just brought together. And awesome. it was so beautiful. Yes. It wasn't even something, actually most of them will be like, we weren't even seeking that. We were seeking the Lord. Yeah. And through that, yeah. Um, they just got bonded together yeah, like, and yeah. unity. And you know, whenever you get bonded together in unity, then the enemy can't tear you apart.
1: Yeah. So when God when God brings us together, then and it's a supernatural thing like that, then that's that's what makes it really special and powerful. And we had several. Like I was, I had one guy. He said, "You're the oldest young person I know because I, I was there in Bible school and had a kid. You know, married and had a kid. And there was a lot of people my age that didn't that they didn't have that. But we watched several of those couples that they just sought the Lord. And even we even had one instance where we had a bunch of them over at our house, and my one friend picked up Kingston, who was just under two at that time, and was actually freaking me out. He was swirling them around like I was like, oh god, he's gonna he's gonna drop them. It was really obnoxious. And so then he said he put Kingston down. I'll never forget it. He goes, I can't wait to have me one of these little guys. And there was a girl sitting there who we later found out told us when she heard that she said, "Certainly wouldn't be through me." <laughs> Ten years later, that couple got married <laughs> and so it was not it was not even an uh, an immediate like uh, natural attraction or whatever, but God brought supernaturally brought them together, and they have a great marriage, they have two kids and a great marriage and everything, yeah. and so that's the way that it's it's supposed it's supposed to look like that. I really believe that. Let God be the matchmaker and, and not you. We make horrible matchmakers. So, amen. Although you did a pretty good job. So, amen. Amen. So, all right, we're just going to throw that out there and then we want to just go through some of these questions that, that you all ask. So, okay. yeah. So, um, Liz is going to ask the questions and I'll start answering and then she'll have some input.
0: Okay. What are some practical ways to invest into your marriage? This all right. is a very good
1: question. This is, a gr- this is a really great question. So, I would say the first thing is that I would say is to learn how to value what they value. So when you're going to practically invest into a marriage, you look at that person and the things that they value, learn how to learn how to value that. Does that make sense? So if they love to fish or to hike or to to boat or you know whatever, then learn how to then
0: you become learn. to love fishing.
1: That's right. That's right because when you when like you, that. when you value, <laughs> um, when you value what that other person values and you invest your time and your effort and your energy into it as much as you can, you, you communicate to that person that I value you, even if you don't give a rip about the thing that they're doing. Does that make sense? So as an example, we were on a date one, um, one night, uh, a couple of years ago and I just, I was like, I wonder if the blues are playing. And so go blues. Yeah. And, uh, so you all know better than to cheer because then I condemn you when you don't cheer. The message is good when I'm done. So, but I said, what about going to a blues game? And the look on her face was kind of like, eh, whatever. So, but we got online and we bought tickets like really cheap and just very spontaneously went to a blues game. Spontaneity and hockey mixed together—it was like a perfect date for me. And so she went, <laughs> and it was awesome. But she placed value on something that I that I placed value on. So, right. yeah.
0: And I would say to find out um, what they enjoy and learn, well, that's kind of what you said, and learn to, do that and then also to learn their love language and how they receive love because again we i know we've talked about this before but a lot of times you give love how you want to receive love but that isn't often how your spouse receives love unless you have the same same love language but ours is complete opposite so we we learn like this was a place of contention in our marriages i was like let's do 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 and he's like let's sit 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 and uh, it was just hard, so we, we came to an agreement that, you know, that I... she'll do all the
1: work and I just sit, right? so... Right,
0: no. <laughs> no. But that I would work to a certain point and then just
1: sit. And then sit and yeah. just be and, together. and just be together. And I've learned that I have to help her work instead of just sitting, right. so, yeah. because then
0: we can get to that sitting faster. Yeah, that's right,
1: that's, that's right. right, yeah.
0: But, because, but you know, in marriage, it's not about self. It's about, you know, when you get married, you lay down yourself. And you become one. So it's about the other
1: person. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So another way you can practically invest in your marriage is date your date your spouse. We meet so many people who, when they get married after, you know, two, five, ten years of marriage, they stop going on dates. And there's something really, um, really powerful about pursuing each other in that way because a lot of times you know the flame or the flicker leaves and it, and it leaves because you stop pursuing one another right. and so we
0: you get busy with life. you get busy with life
1: especially when you have kids yeah. yeah
0: and so like we've actually been intentional about putting on the calendar okay we're gonna have a date we try to go every other week and we are intentional about it yeah and sometimes you have to be creative too yeah. about trying to make that work. If you're not in a season where you can pay for a babysitter, you don't have a babysitter or whatever, then you know, put your kids together Well bed you have to early. find some kind of babysitter well, because otherwise it's not much of a date. I know, but yeah. you could put the kids you know to what I early You know what I've found
1: is like when after we started having kids, there was a season there to where it was like, Wait a second, you married me and not them. And sometimes sometimes people can end up almost kind of resenting their kids if they're not careful men because it's like the the kids take so much from the mom and the moms have to learn to break away from time to time and find a, a good healthy appropriate babysitter or whatever and be able to go and do something and if, it's, and if you're in a financial crunch or whatever and don't feel like I don't have the money. Look, you don't have to make it extravagant. Just go for a walk, not, I was gonna say down by the river, not right now, um, but you know, you can go for a walk by the river or around the lake, or you can just go sit somewhere in a park and talk or whatever. People, that's a good way to just you know, have that interaction, but you need, to, you need to go on dates. That's really, really important, especially, but even, I was gonna say especially people with kids, but I found that people, even after the kids leave, that a lot of times it's like, well, we have alone time at the house. It's diff- there's a difference between just being together and saying, baby, I'm taking you out, and we're going to paint the town tonight or whatever. Like, you need to do that. There's something really special about doing that. Yeah, so I um, agree. Well, let's move on to the next question just for time's sake because okay. we've got some more we want to get into.
0: Okay. How can we improve in communication in our marriage? or how can you improve communication in your marriage?
1: So this is this is one of the things that I've learned and I'm still trying to practice. One of the things that I've learned is that you need to give up your right to be right. So in communication, um, there's a lot of like, trying to get your point across and the other person's trying to do the same thing. Well, when you just go in with an attitude of like, look, I'm gonna give up my, you have a right to be right, you know. But when you just give that right up and say, I'm not going to be so staunch on always having to be right about everything, that will take you a long ways in your communication. Yes, Yes.
0: and then for me, it's being a a problem solver. Sometimes a lot of times, so I had talked before about the internal dialogue that you have in your head. It can be positive or it can be negative. And a lot of times that internal dialogue will get you get you so worked up that you go to your spouse and you're like ah and you're out of control and you say things that you don't necessarily mean to say whereas if you will just take time to say okay what are maybe some solutions to this and it's not that you are and if you want like me like I like to have that communication I want you to help me kind of solve the problem but here, here, I'm gonna address the problem, but then I also have some solutions, so can you help me navigate through these solutions instead of coming at them and being like, blah.
1: Yeah, yeah so. so then, so I agree with that, and so you make your, your goal with communication is to solve whatever problem that you need to communicate about. If there were no problems, you you would have a lot less to communicate about the communication would still be important but a lot of what we communicate about is how much money we have in the the bank account and what's happening with the kids and one of the kids was totally rotten to the other one while you were gone away at work or just it it always revolves around a lot of problems so when you come in and you're only dealing with problems and you don't bring solutions that causes a lot of frustration so one of the ways that you can improve your communication is be a problem solver. And so before if you if you know the problem and you're the one communicating it, before you just throw the problem out there, come already come in with one or two or three solutions with something to try and to try and help that situation instead of just throwing it out and saying now you deal with it.
0: Right, cuz no. then when you're communicating to you become you're a team, you're united yeah. working towards the same goal. That's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Good.
0: Okay, how do you get your spouse to go from a good to a godly person? So we can communicate on a spiritual level.
1: My guess, they didn't put their name on this, but my guess is that this was probably a woman who wrote this. And the reason is, is that we see this so much to where the, the women are pursuing the Lord and they want to talk about the things of God. And I could be wrong, maybe this was a woman, but it, this is usually what it is. And they just can't get their husband to get involved with the things of God. So my, here would be my, my answer to is twofold. Number one is pray for them. A lot of times people will complain, but they won't pray. And when I say pray, it's not like, hey, God, help them out. They're, they're really screwed up. I mean, really get to a place in your heart to where you don't just look at their problems, but you look at what could be, and you begin to pray and prophesy over them concerning that. But at the same time, this is the twofold and the other fold, is don't be pushy. A lot of times we get so, um, so worked up about, wanting to go to a place of being spiritual with our spouse and praying with them. And I want them to go to church and they just won't worship with me. And When I talk about God, they shut down. Look, they've got things that they're dealing with that yeah, they should be at a place where you can talk about the things of God. But if they're not, don't be pushy because nothing says that I'm not like God, like being pushy with somebody. Right. Hello. Let me say that again. Nothing says I'm not being like God, like being pushy with somebody. God is never pushy with us.
0: Right. Love, love very, does not
1: force itself in there. And yeah. so he's that way with us. So we have to be that way.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, God is super um, patient with us. Very long suffering. That word comes out. Like how many times do we, you know, the Lord's wooing us and we're like, eh, whatever. And then he keeps wooing us. And so yeah. and he does it with love and patience and mercy. And so that's the approach that we would have yeah. that, that we should have towards our spouse. Um, is that, you know, continually ask the Lord when Kent said pray, but pray that you have eyes to see them like God oh, sees them. that is them. so important. Because yes. a lot of times, because we're so close, we see their faults, we see their, the things that they're not good at, but we need to look at, you know, look at them in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, I've seen a lot of times. Because it changes our our perception, It changes our love for them. It changes our compassion. Yep. It allows right. us to be long-suffering.
1: I've seen often that one person will see the other person needing to change, and they be, they become pushy, and it really drives that person away. And there's a verse, and it could go both ways, but there's a verse that says that it's better to live in the corner of an attic than in a house with a nagging wife. Um, actually, I think it says a quarreling wife, and then there's another verse that says the nagging wife is like a dripping faucet. trip. Trip, trip trip And after a while, it just really grades on you. And so I don't mean that anything negative against the women. It could go both ways that you have the man doing the same thing, but it just, it just points it out that sometimes that you want to reach that person. And yeah, maybe they need to be reached with what you're trying to tell them. But if you don't change how you're telling them, the yeah. manner you're telling them in, they're probably never going to hear you. And so, and you develop, like she's saying, develop a heart and eyes to see them as the Lord sees them, that will really change how you approach that person. So we're getting close to where we're really kind of out of time, um, but we can maybe do a couple more questions here real quick. So we can go to the next one. Um,
0: what, do, what do you do when a man shows love in ways that he thinks are right, but it seems like control? Let's skip that one and okay. go to that. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, I was gonna
1: say. <laughs> she was serious. She's like, yeah, let's okay. skip that. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think you have to understand the difference between authority and control. Sometimes people are operating in their authority and other, other people see it as control. Sometimes people are being controlling and they say they're operating in their authority as a husband or whatever. And they're really not operating in love, which real authority operates through love because God, God is, is the authority. Amen. And he doesn't do anything but operate in love. So sometimes husbands can be like, if they're really unlearned in the ways of the Lord, they, they can be almost domineering, like you know you need to do this, that, or the other, but they don't do it in love. And if you're doing that, you're really not loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So the Lord doesn't ever demand something from us. He certainly is not controlling. And so if somebody is being what they perceive as walking in, in love, and the other pers- person perceives it as control, you just have to go back and look, what is, the, what is the fruit of that? And if the fruit of what that person is doing, of what that husband is doing in this case, if the fruit of it is really just about control, that's going to have to be conf- confronted at some point. One thing I have found is that when you have a controlling person in a marriage, it will never change unless they get confronted. There's no hope for it changing unless they get confronted. Those are tough words and strong words, but they're very true. I've dealt with so many controlling people, which I won't even get into the details of it, but they never change, and I wouldn't say that they couldn't, but they basically never change unless they're confronted. Um, but it's very important when you're looking at the fruit of what's coming from somebody that you just always measure it by love. So if if you have a husband that's seeing things that need to change, and he is walking in love, well, maybe it's really not control, but he's just trying to move things down the right path, but you're being resistant to the authority that God set in the home to be able to do that. So I think when you're talking about control versus love, look at the fruit of the thing. And if it's, you know, because the Bible says that love is patient, is kind, it's not envious, doesn't boast, doesn't parade itself around, isn't puffed up, isn't domineering or pushing. And so if, if those elements are being involved to where that person is walking in love, then you need to honor the authority that's set there. But if they are being controlling and pushing and opposite of love, that's going to have to be confronted at some point. Is that a good answer? That's a good answer. Okay. All right. All right. Let's,
0: are we done? Or do how we about do? one more? One let's go to the last question okay. there. What, no,
1: let's do the last two. We can do it really quick because okay. the next one was can so good. Can you do it? Really yes, quick. we can do it. Okay. I can do it.
0: Can you address practical aspects of how the older, more mature saints can teach, train the younger
1: saints? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the question is taken from Titus chapter 2. And in verse 3, it says, The older women likewise... That they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. I'm going to tell you how I see this, this question and this verse in light of each other is... That it, there is a place absolutely in church to where the older women teach the younger women and really for the older men to teach the younger men. That also, uh, that both of those things are in there. And that's discipleship, that's spiritual mothering and fathering. It absolutely should be there. So what does that look like? I think by and large, it's just doing life together. It's just having a relationship together. So what, you ha- what we have in a setting here, we have corporate worship. And then we also have the teaching and instruction of the word. And we need that. God wants us to have that. But this is only a small part of what any healthy church really looks like. You need to be communicating with each other in your, every, you know, your day-to-day life and what it looks like to do life with your husband, with your spouse, especially for the older women. And here's the thing. You need to understand about older women. It's not talking about age so much as it is maturity. Right. Now I can tell you, I'll give you an example. My sister is one of the most mature women that I know. If you need wisdom on something, Katie is somebody that you can go to for, uh, for wisdom, whether you're older than her or younger than her, and it's because she's very mature in the Lord. So that, as an example, and we have lots of other women in this church that are, that are very mature, so it has to do more with maturity than anything. But it's not, I don't think that it's really like, you know, let's start a discipleship class and let me give you everything that I have to give you. There could be some truth in that, but more than anything, it's just doing life together, building relationships. Iron sharpens iron and to where the older can invest into the younger. I think that that's right. really what it looks like. And so, and just a little bit more about that passage of scripture, there's something really, I know I had a man tell me one time that, that the most spiritual thing a man can do is take care of his family. And the most spiritual thing that a wife could do, a mom could do, is to take care of their family. It, it does not speak well when you have somebody working in the church and, and they're, they're serving and they're volunteering and they're giving and they're doing this and they're doing that and everything at home is falling apart. We need to invest into the other members of the body. We need to invest into the work that the Lord's doing in every way that we can, but your family should never suffer because of it. And so, I think that this verse could be really key when you see someone that's been so ministered to by the Lord and they're like, man, I want to give, I want to serve, I want to do things. Yes. But the older women need to say, you need to do that. You need to help and you need to give and, and serve and all of that. But you need to make sure that your family's taken care of at the same time. Because I see a lot of, of women that they're so full of love for God and full of love for people and they're advantageous about the things of God and the spirit of God and that they'll just want to give, 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 give. And a lot of times they're manipulated by people older than, than them and the Lord and ministry and pastors and stuff. Got to serve, got to serve, got to serve, got to serve, got to serve. And their family's suffering and their vision suffering at the expense of somebody else's vision when the truth is is that we need to take care of our own families first and so i think walking through life together having the older women invest into the old, the younger women and the same with the older men and the younger men
0: right and i and i would just add that as a younger or maybe even less mature person if you're seeing somebody excel in an area that you're that mm, you yes. need to excel in yes. or you want to excel in then you need to go and you know sit underneath that person and get involved in their life get involved in their day-to-day and just and learn and glean and a lot of it isn't just somebody like Kent said sitting down and teaching it's that you're doing life together and so you're seeing how they're they're working in their life and um and so with that being said is that they'll the more mature, the older women are open to having people come and or even men come and be a part of their life and, and yeah. let them see how it is they do what yes. they do. So
1: much is caught and not taught. Yeah. There's a lot that gets taught and there's a place for teaching and this this verse even talks about let them let them teach, but another translation, maybe it was this one, talks about it admonishing. And there's different words there. So it's more than just hey, let me give you information but it's let me show you how to walk this this very thing right. out. And that that is so key, yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so what does it mean to lead my family?
1: This is the last question and then yes. we're, we're gonna call it quits. So what does it mean to lead my family? Um, so I would say first off, you're already leading your family.
0: Yes.
1: By design or by default, you're already leading your family into something. So. I think the question could be, it's a great question, but we could maybe rephrase it a little and say, what does it mean to lead my family into victory or into what God has for us or into a great family vision or whatever, you know, however you want to phrase it. And so I think that the answer would be that you need to be, and really just go back to the question, the heart of it: how do I how do I lead my family, or what does it mean to lead my family? You need to lead your family with vision and with purpose, and be intentional yes. in leading your family. And I'm man, I am learning this, Liz, and yeah, i are learning this. this is like
0: something that we, we've been doing, but we wouldn't necessarily use that language about being intentional, but like the Lord Well is, I just used it. Well you did. But no, that's like new, like being yes. being intentional, yeah. having goals, yes. having vision and setting that forth and then talking about that within your within your spouse yes. and then within your family. Yep. Because you you are doing something whether you're intentional or not. You have so col- be intentional. You have
1: a culture in your household, be it by design or by default, and it's because you either lead lead by design or by default. And so what so then I think what could go with that is like Like how do you lead your family? And so I wrote down a couple things here that I think are really important. So it's not just what does it mean to lead, but then how do you actually do it? What are the actions that that looks like? And here in Acts chapter um, 20, I love this and I'm going to turn here real quick and I'm just going to read it as soon as I get there. But Acts chapter 20 and in verse 25, Actually, let's go to verse, yeah, let's go to verse 25. And it says, I, and indeed, and this is Paul speaking to all of these ministers, all of these leaders from the church of Ephesus. And it says, I, indeed, uh, now I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching, the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is not the verse that I was looking Mm -mm, for. But I'm really, really close. Go ahead and give him your answer, and then I can give him mine. Oh, there it is. I just started too late. Verse 17. Verse verse 17. From Miletus, (laughs) he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, here it is. You know from the first day that I came to Asia and what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility. If you want to know how how to be a great leader, example in humility. Because what you're doing, your kids, your family, especially for you men, they are going to copy what you do way more than what you say. Yes. So what you're doing as an example is going to speak to them way more than the words that you say. But here's the thing, and this is tough for, for humans, especially tough for men. It has to be in humility. And I, if, so this is, this is my opinion, but I think that this is right. If you can go a month without going to at least one of your family members and making a sincere apology for something that you did or did not do, you are either the greatest leader that's ever lived or you're in pride one of the two, or you just don't know the importance of humility. I'll throw that in there too. I, I would say on a probably a weekly basis, I go to some member in my family and I say, I'm really sorry for how I responded to that situation. I'm really sorry. And even just the other day when we were uh, leaving and we were, or no, we were, yeah, whatever. We were doing something and I was getting frustrated. I was very tired too, because I hadn't slept a lot. And I was just like, like about ready to blow my stack. And then finally I said, I'm really sorry for losing it like I did, which it was nothing compared to how I used to throw chairs and all kinds of stuff. I was just a little frustrated, frustrated, frustrated is all. (laughs) And so, but I I turned to her and I, I apologized for doing that. Listen, humility is not... It's not weakness, it's strength, their meekness is similar to humility. Meekness is not weakness, it's strength. So if you want to lead your family, lead by example, and then also be humble in what you're doing,
0: right, because when you are like that, it changes um, like my response like it makes like when he said he was sorry, it made me want to you know be with him and serve him and follow him or whatever so my one and one thing that I will say how to lead your family is the the best way is out of overflow yeah. because you can't give something that you don't have. Or when you do give it, it's not very good because you're giving it out of nothing instead of out of overflow. So your time with the Lord, the time that you spend, the time that you're intentional about going, getting something from the Lord. And it's not actually just getting something from the Lord, but it's just being with the Lord will make... <laughs> really good things flow out of yes. you. It changes your position. It changes you knowing your position.
1: Yes, that's right. And that goes back to the verse I read that was the wrong verse. Verse was actually is a great verse. In verse 28 of Acts 20, it says, Paul said, therefore, and these are to the leaders, and moms and dads are, are leaders of their homes, right? It's like you, you're a priest to your own home, and so you're a minister to your home. Same principles apply. He says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock, so if you're not taking care of yourself first and your needs with you and your relationship with the Lord first, you won't do it out of that overflow. That right. overflow absolutely won't be there. Right. Let me give you one more thing here in light of this question about, you know, how do, how do you lead or what does it mean to lead your family? Philippians chapter two and in verse five, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robber- robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is what we are called to, especially men. We are called to die to ourselves and to literally lay down our, not literally, because then you couldn't have any life to give. So figuratively to lay down your life literally, figuratively, to lay down your life for your family each and every single day and serve them in everything that you do. Jesus was the greatest that ever lived and had every right to reign and rule as the king over everybody, but he chose to lower himself. And it says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ who made himself of no reputation. So instead of Men, instead of coming into your, your house and sitting in the easy chair and having people wait on you, you come in and you wait on your family. Jesus was the greatest servant of all and we are called to serve one another. And so if you wanna know how to just lead your family, lead by example, be humble and serve your family well. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's good. Amen. And you can tell people who really have a heart to serve the Lord and that then because they're doing whatever they're doing unto the lord it just spills out they have joy and peace and they love serving their family
1: yes and and
0: that like that is like something that i i long for and i have to remind myself that because you know it's tedious in the day-to-day and doing things that sometimes you don't like doing or it's hard because you're sleep deprived or whatever, but like really knowing like I'm serving the Lord and so I'm going to serve my family. Yeah, amen. And do it with all
1: joy. Amen. Good stuff. Amen. Amen. Would you guys just stand and we're just going to bless you and bless your families. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to say one last thing before I pray here. And thank you guys. Man, the kids were amazing today being in here. That's why we just kind of kept going for a few minutes there. But I want to say this though that we so we were out on uh, the west coast aka the left coast and you know I'm a lot of people would would look at me and say well you're just you know you're just a kind of a hard nose and you're just like uber conservative and you know you're just you know you need to whatever the thing is is that I I was telling Liz I said 50 years ago 60 years ago nobody would have dreamed I mean we saw like unbelievable things like am I in America or am I in hell I mean it was like crazy the things we were seeing and, and, and I mean, I love those people and God loves those people. No condemnation, but the things we we're seeing was a product of really, by and large, the family is, is broken. The families in our country are so broken. The church is broken and there's not enough pastors to stand up. And we even see in California right now, there's legislation trying to be pushed to where pastors can no longer say that homosexuality is wrong. This is in the United States of America coming to a county in a city near you lest we have people that will stand up, take their rightful place in the kingdom of God and unashamedly say, no, this is what the Bible says. We're going to believe what the Bible and we're not going to, we're going to believe what the Bible says and we're not going to believe anything different. And it's not about coming against people, but it's about keeping a right standard. So I believe, I believe that the family is so important. We need to hold this standard in our church in our churches, in our relationships, and in our families. We need to stick with what the Word says because the Word, when the Word is released, it brings blessing into every area of our life. Amen? So I just, I just feel like it's like it's right for us to sure up our foundation and what we believe in, in godliness and righteousness and holiness in the church and in our, in our, our families as well. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you. I bless every one of these families that are represented here today. God, I thank you that they are godly, upright, moral families that look to you they fear you, which means they care more about what you say than what other people say. I thank you that the word of God reigns supreme in their homes. I thank you that the spirit of God is free to move and that joy and peace in the atmosphere of heaven permeates every home and every marriage. I believe that we, we can believe that. And God, just like the verse we read earlier that we would have had opportunity to lose heart if we had not believed that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, I have hope in my heart that these families in here are going to represent who God is in the kingdom of God greatly in their homes and in their marriages. I thank you that they are blessed, that the communication is open, that God, the ones that have wayward husbands, wayward wives that are in here, Father, we speak to their hearts. We thank you that they're coming alive in Jesus' name, that the dryness that's there, that God, it's coming alive, the death that's there that is coming alive. Father, I just speak life into every situation that people are dealing with in here. We thank you that we are a blood-bought, spirit-taught, overcoming church, full of the word of God, full of the power of God, full of overcoming victory that we not only work towards, but we live in. We're saturated with your presence. We're saturated with your kingdom. I thank you that the anointing is strong, strong on these moms and dads. I mean strong. That when they face something, they have the overcoming ability because of the anointing of God. Instead of cowering down, they rise up against the accusation, against the bill, against the issue, against the problem. They rise up in victory and say, I'm not going to be overcome. But I am going to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And because I haven't loved my life unto death, it belongs to God. And in him I have my victory. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you that we are st- we're a strong church family, and we have strong families, our individual families. And I thank you in Jesus' name that as we worship you, oh, I'm telling you, this is a word from the Lord. As we worship the Lord, God, as we worship you individually, the Lord says to some of you, you need to turn up the worship. And I'm not talking about the volume of the, the music. It doesn't even necessarily have to include music that you need to turn up the worship in your home. I'm telling you, this is a word for some of you. You need to turn up the worship and the praise and the adoration towards him about five or six notches in your home. And what's going to happen is that it's going to begin to change the things, change the circumstances. But before it changes the circumstances, it's going to change you, your perspective, your heart, your hope, and your faith to believe God, to move forward and upward and onward, to change the things that need to be changed. And what's going to happen is that when we come in here, we're going to come to new levels, higher levels, greater levels, where we go from even having strong anointing to where the glory of God just permeates and we walk inside of this bubble every Sunday morning, every Wednesday that we're here, every special service, and the grace groups, we come in together. And there's just an atmosphere of the presence of God that just permeates every area of our life. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. amen. In your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociparryville.com.